Two movies enter, one movie leaves. This is The Great Movie Showdown. Today, we have Monsters Incorporated versus Aladdin. Joining me are Matt Smith and Will Goodnow. Hi everybody, I'm Matt Smith. And this is Will. I can show you. That's, that's how we should start every single show, where one of us picks a song from each movie and we just perform it. Oh, I love it. Man. Yeah. Let's let's give that a whirl. The next anyway, so, the next movie is Coco versus Little Mermaid, so that one would be pretty easy. Like Little Mermaid, you got a lot. Coco, you got a lot. Like. Well, we're not fun. here to talk about those movies today. We're here to talk about Aladdin. Foreshadowing Sack. We are. Oh. One, a movie about monsters using scared children to power the world that they live in. And the other, about a street urchin who wants to lie to a girl to get her to like him. I think he's more of a street rat. Yeah, and don't forget about Genie, dude. Hey, this is the, like, top tag part we gotta lead him in of course we'll get to the the genie played by robin williams will smith okay now this is just for the record we are going to be reviewing the 1992 animated aladdin not the uh 2019 um live action blue will smith aladdin <laughs> yeah surprisingly directed by guy Ritchie. that movie was like, all kinds he's of weird so, but anyway, yeah. he's so weird <laughs> Maybe one day we'll do a, a, an episode comparing those two together. <laughs> right. All right. But the uh, animated one. All right, Matt. You lead the charge on this one. I want to hear your most convincing or, I guess, critical or, I don't know, thoughtful take on either one of the movies. Also, real quick, before we get into that, I do want to mention, <laughs> I looked for our previous episode, Hercules versus Toy Story 3, I looked up on Google Trends, those two movies. And Hercules was substantially higher on the Google Trends than uh, Toy Story Three. Wow, I feel like that's like nostalgia. you yeah. know you know the reason why is because there's four or there's three other Toy Stories. Well, so, four technically. Well, I mean three. I said three other. So there's Toy Story Three oh, and right. three other. So you yeah. you have to like divide that. Like they probably just put Toy Story rather than Toy Story Three. Yeah, I mean that's very fair. Anyway, sorry not to cut you off. Matt, take us away. Yeah, so Aladdin. I just want to like break down where like how I saw Aladdin the last time. Mm -hmm. So I actually like saw the live action movie and that was like my first time watching Aladdin in like forever since I was a kid because I only had it on VHS and it was probably locked in a Disney vault. So I didn't really watch Aladdin for about maybe like 15, 20 years until Disney Plus came along. So like when I watched Aladdin on like the live action version, I just remember like most of the story being like pretty terrible. But then when Will Smith showed up, it was pretty decent. Wow. And I just re- and I just remember like, yeah, like Will Smith, he's a pretty good genie. And like oh, he almost God. like he almost like saved the movie. And then and then I watched like Aladdin again for some reason. The live action. Wait, the animated one? Or the, no. Wait. 
I get to the animated one eventually. Okay. Because okay. this is about the animated one, but sure. Well, hang on, let's 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 hear him out. I gotta like I I. Okay. He's setting the stage. I'm yeah. setting the stage. Got it. <laughs> so then I watched the live action one, and again, and I'm like, God, like everything in this movie is bad except for Will Smith. He's like the only saving grace. I hate how they do. Uh, what's the first song? The one jump song, and they're like slowing yeah. down, like the whole entire thing, and it's like very slow, and they're almost like running in slow motion, and it makes no sense. And like I like the whole entire thing with Will Smith, where it kind of was bringing me like Hitch vibes, mm-hmm. and like that was pretty good, but like. Ja- they totally ruined Jafar. Like yeah. Jafar is a young guy for some reason. They yeah, couldn't find like an old me, like, man. Give me like these weird slumdog millionaire vibes. Yeah, it was really weird. Just from the trailer. And then, uh, then I ended up like finally watching Aladdin, like on Disney Plus back in November. I think I ended up watching it twice, and I just remember every everything in Aladdin being so much better. But mm. we might be. We might be like losing some listeners when I say the statement, and it's not going to be as bad as what I'm like promoting it to be. But Will Smith might be like—I'm not going to say better. I'm just going to say like I liked Will Smiths and I liked Robin Williams. Okay, that's fair. But maybe it's just because Will Smith was the only saving grace in the movie. Yeah, but I feel like like all the jokes and like the animated Aladdin was so much better and it just made me, and it just made me hate the live action one, which they're going to be making a sequel for. What? Wait. Yeah, so does that mean that there's going to be a live action return of Jafar? No, they're, they're going to be doing a new story. They're going to be, what? Like, yeah. Or it's rumored. I think they are doing it because the movie made a billion dollars. Like, why would you okay, not I guess... make a sequel? Yeah. And it's going to be like a new sequel. That's it's not so going to weird, be Ch- Turn of Jafar. It's not going to be King of Thieves. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little weird. It's VHS also like sequel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's like my little thing that I want to say about Aladdin. Like right now to start off. Okay. Even though yeah. most of I mean, it's I about like the live Smith action. kind of gets a bad rap for a lot of his stuff. Yeah. And Will Smith is a tremendous actor. In his own right, and I mean that's oh, why. One, he's one more thing I want to bring up, Zach. Did yeah. you watch the live action Aladdin? I have not, not yet. Okay, Will, you've seen it, right? I think you already said you've seen Incredibly, it. Incredibly, yes, but luckily I only saw. What it. What the hell? What the hell was with that new song? That like uh, Demi Lovato sounding song that Jasmine sang that just was oh. terrible and so out of place. So uh, I have heard, um, honestly. I forgot about it until you said something. So that tells me what I thought of it. <laughs> I think I got nominated for an Oscar, but that's pretty much every <laughs> Disney song what? ever. So here's a story about that. Okay. From what I heard was there were a bunch of, you know, the the producers that came to get involved and they wanted um they wanted more like female independent representation in the Aladdin live action movie. Right. So I think that was part of that. Well, yeah, she does like have a friend now too that like has the hots for Genie. Yeah, what? Like, end up getting Wait, married. So they, was that just like a, a shoe in so that the movie could pass the Bechdel test? 
No, because they're still talking about Aladdin the whole entire time. Well, yeah, but Genie's technically not a man. He's an omnipotent being. Will Smith is a man, though. Right. Yeah, but sometimes you've got to separate the art from the artist. Right. I I don't know about any of that as far as like the quality of the live action. Um, I honestly just kind of forgot about it. Will Smith is really good, but yeah. Beyond that, the movie's instantly forgettable because it looks like you know what's funny is my uh, my older brother has a really good thing. We were talking about um, what movie was it? It was another Disney movie. It was um, no, it wasn't. It was a Paramount movie, and it was actually when Transformers Revenge of the Fallen came out. And I remember everyone was hyped up because the first one did really well. And he went and saw it in theaters with me and like a bunch of other family and friends. We we all got hyped up, and we got a little buzzed, and we went and saw it at the big IMAX down at Channel Side, you guys. Yeah. And um, I remember walking out, and we were talking about it, and like – David said nothing. My older brother said nothing. And he, he walks he walks up to me. We're up down the street. We're, we're having a couple of drinks. And he just goes, I mean, it looked expensive. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so, it's so great. And that's how I feel about Aladdin. Like after it was done and over with and Will Smith did his thing, which like he's the fresh prince, man. He's got swag. He's got charm. He's got charisma. He's the fresh genie of Agrabah. It's kind of crazy. I feel like those Transformer movies were kind of like the big budget thing that people looked forward to before the marvel universe took over well the first one was like bayham light and it was actually really great to see him kind of reined in and do all stuff. not to get into like bayham but i'm just saying you could tell that and i'm only drawing this parallel like the live action aladdin also is kind of like guy richie light but the thing is, is that you don't do that like, first off, Guy Ritchie is awesome. Like, when he's full bore cocaine out the wazoo, you know, with the quick cuts and characters monologuing while they go over, like, a kind of a... Um, I thought he just used to be style. awesome rather than yeah. still is awesome. Like, hmm. I'm just saying, like, his style works so well. It worked well for both of the Sherlock Holmes movies. It works well for obviously... Oh, yeah. Even though I like the, I liked the first one better. Right. I love what he did in Rock and Rolla, even though apparently that's like no one's favorite Guy Ritchie movie. I understand that, but like it's still quality Guy Ritchie. Um, so like he's got a style and they kind of, they kind of Disneyfied it and they toned it down and it just didn't work. And I wish they would have just left it alone if they weren't going to try and do something that was actually worthwhile. Um, but to talk about the, the animated Aladdin, the animated Aladdin goes in the opposite direction of all that because I know you guys know the famous stories of like animators kind of getting stressed out having to try and animate Genie because they they just unleashed Robin Williams. They had so much. Well, yeah, material. it was all like improv most yeah. of the stuff. They had hours and hours of material, alternate yeah. lines, alternate takes of the same line, stuff like that. And he just kept going and rambling, and they didn't know what to put in the movie to begin with from an editing standpoint. And then and they, they did a good job. Yeah, he did an amazing job. He was this. First off, he was like a god in Hollywood at that time, too. I mean, he was the first one where they would do, I guess, what you would now see, like, um, for example, is Shrek. In Shrek, they made it a big deal. that They had Eddie Murphy. They had uh, Mike Myers. They had um, Cameron Diaz. Yeah, Cameron Diaz and John Lithgow. But you got to remember, having someone of Robin Williams' caliber do animation and not be the main character, be a supporting character – was a huge deal because he was also, as you know, Zach pointed out with even Will Smith, 
he was a respected actor in his own right. Oh, he's got this comedy thing that he does. We all know he did stand up, but I mean, he's a really talented actor. And here comes Robin Williams being the amazing artist that he is and supporting, you know, Disney and, and what they're trying to do with Aladdin. And well, I mean, was, sorry. I think you have a point with that. Cause I'm like trying to think of older Disney movies and can you like recognize like an A-lister that was in one of those movies? Like I'm just doing it off the top of my head. Like I know what Beauty and the Beast. I don't think like any famous people are in that movie or like Little Mermaid. Mm-mm. Like I think well, this is like maybe even a trend that Aladdin started. Yeah. I think the most famous person in any animated Disney movie was Angela Lansbury, who played Mrs. Potts in um, Beauty and the Beast. But most people don't even know who she is unless you watched Murder She Wrote religiously, which spoiler <laughs> wasn't no spoilers. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, like. Um, well, actually, oh. it's interesting that you say that because that was also the same year that Fern Gully came out, which Robin Williams was also in. Correct. Yeah, and he was the bat. Right, and once again- Which is also kind of like a side-ish yeah, character. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, that just makes my point. He was kind of on this tear to do stuff with a kind of creative freedom. He wanted yeah. this kind of play space, the sandbox. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, there's a drag race going on outside my house. Um, cool. But, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> he, wanted to, he wanted to play in this sandbox where he didn't have to worry about showing up on set, worrying about costuming, mm-hmm. nothing. He would just show up and be himself and be hilarious and be iconic. I mean, even in Fern Gully, he was absolutely iconic. I remember singing those songs. I mean, he he was amazing. He made the film. I mean, we talk about Aladdin and you know the songs, and they are great. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, you walk away from that movie with the genie with robin williams that's- oh absolutely yeah i mean he brought some he brought the the magic to that movie yeah. essentially yeah. yeah i mean was there a genie in the original aladdin story from like china or whatever uh i believe so but it wasn't as obviously as relevant to the main plot i mean number one the story of aladdin he didn't like make from- cars and stuff from the future appear well the story of aladdin is taken from arabian nights which is uh yeah. is like a I don't know if it's like a hundred stories or more or something like that. So it says uh, a thousand and one, like the stories of a thousand and one nights. Right. So is what is showing on my Google thing. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with that. Um, yeah. let's go with what Google says, but I do know that Aladdin had such a huge impact on me. Cause at the time I had three, distinct actors that I, I watched everything they did. I looked up everything they did. I, I tried to find their standup. And um, I just remember Robin Williams standup. At, I think it was the Metropolitan theater or something like oh, that. Oh yeah. Live at the Met. Yeah. Live at the Met. It was, it was fantastic. And like, it, it yeah. changed, like, I was way too young to be watching it, but my mom never cared. She let me watch George Carlin. And so like, there were three men in particular, there was George Carlin, Jim Carrey and Robin Williams. And they all just kind of made me, into like the person I am as far as like when it comes to my taste in comedy, whether it be stand up or not. And so it really had a deep impact on me, Robin Williams, especially with the genie. I mean, I would quote his lines so often. It was ridiculous. I mean, come on, man. Everybody remembers, you know, ultimate cosmic power. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah. little lines like that. You know, you, you write them on the page and sure. It's like, Oh, it's kind of funny, but I mean, first off, let's go ahead and say it. I don't think anyone wrote Robin Williams. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm sure they probably like gave him a a rough outline, and then he 
Definitely. I mean, you look at the genie and that's that's like an animated character that can handle Robin Williams' crazy personality and he can exactly. use all of these weird magic things that he does. And I'm sure the animators had had a lot of fun just coming up with creative ways to to capture to just capture the personality of what Robin Williams was throwing down. Oh my God, that first introduction in the cave, like when Oh, he, it's so good. Like when he's going off and he sounds like a Scottish man and then he, he gives him the, the three rules and you know what I mean? You you see all of it and it's amazing. Yeah. And, and <sighs> even the uh the bit at the beginning where there you have the merchant guy coming in, that's Robin Williams and that right. whole bit was improv. Right. Oh, that was him doing the voice? Yeah. Yeah, you didn't know that? Absolutely. That's yeah, that was like just him improving the whole intro of it when he has like the little box and everything. Yep, which is once again a brilliant. When I was when I was watching the movie oh, as a so kid, good. it blew my mind. I couldn't get over it. I really couldn't. I was like, oh my god, Robin Williams is a god. He's a god of comedy. This is amazing. And I, I couldn't get enough. Of it. I I wore out the cassette tape. I remember I yeah same I opening the uh, cassette case so much that it wouldn't even close properly anymore, and it was just like. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, it, it was ridiculous, but it's because I loved it so much, and I, I loved Robin Williams so much. Will, did you ever watch his uh, Live on Broadway? That was like from 2002. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I really oh, like okay. that one. That one's still like amazing. Yeah, the uh, Invention of Golf bit was something I would quote. Yeah. Time. Everybody would ask me, hey, Will, do that thing, and I memorized it line for line for line. Like, <laughs> about it. like I, I did. I did it beat for beat, everything, and I, I did the Scottish accent. Um, the whole nine. And that's what I mean. Like it's a Robert, classic. Yeah. yeah. Um, so besides that though, I do want to get into like the technical aspects of, yeah. once again, let's get into it. Animation forward. They once again introduced what would early on be, um, the, they moved on from, you know, like, I don't know if you guys noticed how they did the, uh, movement through the forest for Bambi, like in any of those shots, what they did is they had three rotating plates, Mm-hmm. Like that they would do individual um, matte paintings on and they would move them and then push the camera lens through like to mm-hmm. zoom in. And that's how you get that shot of like them moving through the forest. For once they did it digitally. They created a digital space. Yeah. A There's space, a lot of good digital and stuff they, in there. And they would move this 2D cell, you know, through that space and for mm-hmm. the carpet ride and stuff like that through the cave. I know you guys know what I'm talking about. And yeah, yeah. That was the evolution from what they started with the great mouse detective with mm-hmm. the clock sequence and so like it was a big deal even though yeah. right now we kind of look and it's like oh i mean that's kind of great no that's a that's a big deal that they did that and it looks yeah. so well and with and, the dragon or the lion head correct. thing at the beginning of the movie that was also yep. like a 3d a 3d render uh, right yeah, it's oh touch nothing but the land right oh. yeah oh i was too yeah. soon zach Actually, actually, <laughs> right Jafar's, Jafar's first disguise is that scraggly old dude in the cell. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Great. that's something I forgot about when I was watching the live action because he never does mm-hmm. that in the yeah. live action. Oh, right. no, and I'm like, I mean, there probably oh, was no so way good. to like do that. It would have looked probably looked way too obvious. Not just unless that, they I mean, had a. Like, I mean, it's like magic it. though. Like he turns into a different person magically, so it could have just been yeah. like an actor. Like yeah, he's like actor. a weird warlock type character. <sighs> Let's just yeah. go ahead and say it. They, they casted very poorly for the live action because honestly, it would have been cool to see 
a guy who actually could play the villain of Jafar get into that disguise and go ahead and show us like what he's got as far as acting. I mean, I, I feel like we're doing ourselves a bit of a disservice if we keep bringing up the live action. We just want to <laughs> we want to focus it's, on it's a it's a billion dollar movie that just I know, no, no, no. Zach's got a point. No, no. Yeah, I mean we're we're not here to we're not here to put that movie on trial this time. We're we want to we want to focus on the animated film versus Monsters Inc. So we definitely want to okay. want to analyze the animated film, and then we're going to hop over to Monsters okay, Inc. You're laying down the hammer. Yeah, well, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Aladdin. We can kind of get into for about ten more minutes, and we'll switch over to Monsters Inc. But I ten will, more wait, I feel minutes. Like we just oh my started. goodness! Well, <laughs> we just right, talked right. about Robin Williams and the live action movie. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, if, if we yeah. okay, let's talk about Babu. <laughs> I was gonna say, um, who is that actor? One of you guys, I know you guys have IMDb or something. The actor who played um, the 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 Jafar's um, oh, the Gilbert Bar- Godfrey. Yeah, he was. Yeah, the Iago. So Iago was so good. Like once again, yeah, he had some really great lines in there, and he was really funny. And um, that bit, the the artists who who did this did such a good job with the physical comedy because you know with mm-hmm. animation, you oh can yeah, break physics, you could do whatever you want. But like that scene where Iago like literally smacks his head all the way down Jafar's cane and then to the ground. As mm-hmm. a kid would just I every time I looked forward to it, it was it was hilarious. I was yeah. like, I don't know why this makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> yeah, Yago's a Yago brings this I mean, I guess both Yago and Genie, I think, are very much so the comedic pillars of the movie. Mm-hmm. Where with Jafar, everything that happens with Jafar feels a little bit more entertaining because you have a Yago. It's kind of like the hyenas for Scar mm-hmm. and the Lion King. Yeah. And um and then Genie like brings this humor to Aladdin's whole predicament with all of his jokes and all of his his weird insights that Aladdin, like any of the characters of this world, wouldn't really get, but they never seem to uh acknowledge how weird the things that Genie is doing are. Like when he turns things into a game show or stuff like that. Or he turns Abu into like a hatchback car. <laughs> that one scene and they just right. don't really question that it's just all right right. <laughs> right and then um i did want to point out though and this is funny because I, I discussed this i remember like getting to a very heated debate with a friend of mine when i was in middle school like aladdin is cinderella <laughs> aladdin is just cinderella but like flip-flopped you know what i mean he's the poor guy in the street who gets a genie which you could say is like a fairy godmother gives him all this stuff to make him look great he goes to the ball or in essence you know shows up with that great song yeah. Prince Ali. And that means he, he Ali Alaba. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And it's like it was cool to see Disney kind of stay in their lane. And once again, I'm sure we'll we'll do this as we go through this bracket. We notice that Disney and Pixar have like a lane. They have a template. Mm-hmm. They have like a style of like storytelling that just works. Like, yes, yeah. is it predictable? Is it the same shit over and over again? Yes. But damn, they do it good. They come in and they nail that shit, dude. And it was no different with Aladdin. I mean, that story structure just worked, especially even though we know in the third act it's all going to be revealed and Jafar's going to one-up them and yada, yada. Yeah, and they're not going to kill off Aladdin underwater in chains. No, definitely not. Although that was Wait, crazy. What? For, there's a scene in the movie where he gets like tied up in chains and then thrown oh, underwater. Oh, right, right, yeah. yeah. Even though you're like thinking, like, oh, it's been like 45 seconds or... Well, a normal human out. can only hold their breath for about a minute. Yeah, humans were built different back then. Yeah, yeah. definitely for sure. 
built to last before, longer. Before internet, they're all tough and were just yeah. underwater, keeping their breath all day. And they were hand drawn too, you know. Well, but, most of the, most of them were. They, they were just starting to some of them be a little bit three D rendered. Right, that's true. That's true. So but that was mostly still just backgrounds. Right. Okay. okay so, <laughs> guys. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about story. Yeah, I was trying to get into like a little bit more of the storytelling as far as like I talked about the structure, but I mean, mm-hmm. as far as the growth of Aladdin, I do like that you see the beats kind of there with the beginning, and you know, um, yeah. he gives the kid a piece of his bread after the the one guy shows up, the one prince um, who totally utterly fails, gets his ass bit by Raja. Um, oh yeah, yeah, and then um, you know, it, it's kind of funny because as a kid, I'm like, it's easy, just do the right thing and let Beanie go, and you know, why are you being such a jerk, Aladdin? And it's just like. As an adult, though, you can just kind of understand. It's like, yeah, but it's just not that easy because, you know, you're, you're scared things are going to be let go. As an adult, you kind of go back and watch Aladdin. It's a lot different. Um, yeah. Disney does a good job of setting up those stakes. We're like, no, dude, really, they will kill him. Like, this is his life. <laughs> they say, okay, you mm-hmm. lied about being a prince. <laughs> we, uh, let's, let's talk about the introduction of Aladdin as a character in this movie, which is right. wonderful. Where you have the one jump song. and just how how great of an intro that is for a character like you get everything that that he's about he's running from uh he's running from the palace guards and the the Sikh police force basically yeah of the of Agrabah and just singing this fun fun happy like song the whole time and everyone's kind of like cheering and having a good time and (laughs) they do all of the I guess now Probably a lot of it feels a bit stereotypy and weird in the modern climate, but it's just a, a fun, fun, wacky introduction to a character where you get Aladdin and Abu. And then with that scene where they have the melon or the bread, yeah, it was bread. Um, and then like Abu eats his and then feels guilty. And then you feel the uh, intent of the characters and the morality of them where it's, yes, they're stealing, but they're they're giving to the people that need it more the Robin than Hood. Well, yeah. I mean, more importantly, Zach, I think you're getting really close to um, exactly what uh, I guess I was kind of talking around, which was Howard Ashman and Alan Menken, like from Little Mermaid onward, had such fantastic songwriting ability that is so underrated that they revealed everything you need to know about a character in yeah. one fucking song in like a three minute, two and a half right. minute sequence. You would get all the information you needed that most movies take, what, two and a half acts to actually get to? That's the miracle of musicals, baby. Yeah, but I mean, we we all know there, there are good musicals, there are bad musicals. And I mean, Mamma Mia is a fucking terrible musical. I don't care. <laughs> okay, Mamma Mia is not on trial here, Will. I'm just pointing <laughs> out, like, you have that pop songs and shit and it just doesn't work, like, to that- musical structure. Howard Ashman, though, was such a talented songwriter. He could go, okay, you know, he Disney, we got this great idea. The animators have this idea that they've been working on for an animated movie. Howard Ashman comes in and just makes it sing. He, his songwriting was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a fact. Zach, I like, I like your role as the judge for this episode where it's just like everybody, or even more so like a teacher. Everybody just stay yeah. focused. Yeah, overruled. <laughs> Relevance. Relevance. It's like, bang, it's bang. like we're here to talk about Disney's yeah. animated Aladdin in 1992 and Monsters Incorporated 2001. <laughs> right. Do not we make any gavel. comments about right. anything then, else. And here, I'll just use another musical that had original music written for it, which was, let's not get into the 2020 or 2019 one. I'm just saying, 
Cats as like a musical or Phantom of the Opera, Andrew Lloyd Webber, who produced both of these, as musicals, they fucking suck. Like, I'm sorry. I don't okay. Know. Like, I'm just well, saying- well, we got to stay relevant here. We're gonna we're gonna fall into a whole tangent if we start no. talking about cats. No, I'm not gonna fall. Into <laughs> yeah, because I have a lot to say about cats. No, no, a no. lot. I'm just I'm just talking about the songwriting ability. Howard Ashman was such a terrific storyteller in that he could get everything you needed to know about an individual character in one specific sequence. And boom, and then we're on to the next one. Then we can move forward. We don't need all the extra. There's literally like no fat on Aladdin. It is such did a Jafar have a song? Hmm? Does what? It, does Jafar have a song? He doesn't yeah. have a song, does yeah, he? Does. No. Yeah, he does. No, Jafar does. Oh, wait. What he, has that, he has that Prince Ali song. Like It's the reprise of Prince Ali. Oh. Where it's like Prince Ali, and then he says a bunch of stuff. Like It's when he discovers Aladdin's Prince Ali that's right it's near the third act yeah and right they, there part of the third act a lot of critics said that like were upset that that was eliminated from the live action because they like that song uh yeah. but uh okay um so what are your you guys's favorite song from the movie um i want to say it's between the so my three favorites are uh Obviously, never had a friend like me. Um, the Prince Ali song and the opening song, One Jump. Yeah, One Jump. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's pretty much mine. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to agree yeah, I feel like they get overshadowed I, I think, by whole I, I think I like, I do like uh, Prince Ali more. I just love like mm-hmm. the beginning with a la- or with a genie. Yeah, yeah. Like, where he's just like whispering to everybody. <laughs> I, I know like, that's. Is like, yeah, I he's such a great hype man. Yeah. I remember I like that song much more than um, Never Had a Friend Like Me. So if I had a structure, it would go the Ali, Ali Ababwa song, Never Had a Friend Like Me, and then One Jump. Honestly, I never really gave a whole new world, maybe because I'm, I was a little boy at the time. I didn't really care for love mm. stories. So like, it just never really yeah. ended the same. Yeah, a whole new world. It's just like pretty slow yeah and that's that's like the the song i mean that scene is like the scene that's on the box art and everything (laughs) of him and jasmine on the carpet yep which let's talk about carpet real quick as a character wonderful i love him dude those animators man like yeah it's cool to say like you like animation you like a character but like the painstaking work that must have went into then oh, yeah. they made a carpet and like really trying to get it across is brilliant. And, and Zach, isn't he one of the 3d rendered characters? Like at some points, probably- I believe um, he's, I think he's mixed. There are yeah. some bits where he is. Cause there's, you can definitely see like the patterning on him. It's definitely uh, occasionally 3d and it's hard to tell. Cause I know they did like a remastered edition of this movie too. Yeah. So some of that may have gone like the way of George Lucas and looks kind of weird now. Right, because you have multiple eras of animation and technology involved in it, and but I think for the animated series, he was more or less cell shaded the whole time. I think, but the amount of personality they get across and just strict movements—I mean, is so underrated. Because 
when you have like an anthropomorphic character, you can kind of do crazy books with the eyeballs, things like that. You've got to get so much across with so little. He's got like the little knob on the end for when yeah, they the use little it. tassels. Yeah. And that's pretty much it besides that. And you can crinkle the middle, right? Like sometimes they'll crinkle the middle of the character yeah. to kind of feel like his brow or whatever you want to call it might be furrowed or he might be distressed mm-hmm. and things like that. And the way he folds and God damn, man. The, the level of talent displayed and, and, and during that Disney uh, renaissance was yeah pretty much the greatest ever, dude. Like those and are the- I like the chemistry between the carpet and Genie. There is this like weird amount of chemistry there uh-huh. that, that comes that. through. Yeah. Or, or him and Abu, too. Like they, they're back. And oh, forth. yeah. Abu. Oh, love it, dude. This movie had a lot of like interesting side characters that don't really speak. Mm hmm. Yeah. Oh, like well, uh, what? What's the name of the tiger? Raja. Oh, Raja. Raja yeah. yeah. I completely forgot about Raja. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, and the Sultan is just kind of this goofy kind of like idiot, basically. Yeah. Can we can we just go ahead and say that right now that he's the weakest part of the movie? Like, if there's a negative to be had, it's that the Sultan is. But the I Sultan like has the most power. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, the Sultan is fucking these. Yeah. <laughs> He's he's weird and goofy. He's definitely goofy. Yeah, it's nothing to me. It's just like okay, whatever. Like, just I didn't care. I just didn't care about him. I I gotta be honest. I I mean, I like him. I mean, yeah, I I'm I'm okay with the Sultan. What? Leave the Sultan alone. You've been been trashing the Sultan all episode. Yeah, (laughs) leave him alone. Like, what does he add to the movie? He's little. (laughs) He's the he's the Sultan. That's like being a king. Okay, well, the Sultan can like add something emotional or whatever. His, his relationship with Jasmine, yeah, his daughter. Him? Okay, and like him, like realize. I I think I I forgot. I think they do like have some sort of conclusion where it's like you don't need to be married to be queen of whatever of Agubar. Yeah, that is no. that is his Agubar. <laughs> Yes, that is his entire purpose. Is that I don't he speak is- Arabic, Zach. Don't laugh at me for trying. No. His usefulness is to be the one to tell Jasmine you have to marry a prince, and then by the end of it, like, oh, wait, I guess you don't. It's true love. I'm a dad. I'm going to be a dad and say you can marry who yeah. you want. Way to go, Sultan. It was, it was very progressive for his time. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, I guess. In the I mean, age of question mark. Yeah, I mean, I don't know where Agrabar is in like modern day. Agrabah. Agrabar. Agrabah. And it doesn't exist. Oh, so yeah, it's okay. a fictional place. So, yeah. So we can't really compare the Sultan to the current leader of a place that doesn't exist. So there goes my point. <laughs> are we uh, Are we done with Aladdin? Do you want to talk about um, Monsters Incorporated? I don't bit? know. Do we have anything else? Any closing thoughts on Aladdin? I don't know. Uh, not not particularly no, except that everything we, we are talking about just once again, Alan Menken shout Alan Menken just killing mm-hmm. that score because even in between the songs, the actual score was always so great. Oh yeah, it's, all I, mean, I know is that we're thirty five minutes in and we haven't even said the words Mike and Solly yet. Yeah, we did. We did at the beginning. <laughs> oh, we did. All right, so are we hopping over to Monsters Incorporated now? Yeah, we can. So. We can always all right. go back to Aladdin. <laughs> and we can always go point. back to Agrabah, and especially right. we go. We could go back to the live action Aladdin. 
No. Okay, let's move on that. to Monsters, Inc. <laughs> I knew that would get you to move on. The 2001 uh, hit film from Pixar. the creators of Toy Story. Which the, was uh, uh, what they were known as at that point. I remember seeing trailers for this movie like two years, two, maybe three years before it came out. Yeah. Did they did they scare you? Because I was about to say they did scare me. No. Well, I remember the the first trailer that I saw for this. It was Mike and Sully, and they like just fell out of a closet into a kid's bedroom, yeah. and they were just kind of like goofing around trying to find the kid. And like, yeah. Where's so the kid? No funny kid story. Like when that trailer yeah. came out, it actually scared me just because of like the menacing <laughs> voice. Like I I remember like, and I was probably like eight or seven at the time. Like depending on when the trailer came out, but like even though it was like all comedy and everything. Like yeah. just the voice, like, like all around America, monsters are in your closets waiting. And it, it was more scary than the voice I'm doing. Like, I, I don't think I can go that deep. And it really scared seven-year-old Matt. <laughs> it was bad. Um, I guess my, my whole introduction to Monsters, Inc. really is I, I didn't pay attention to any of the trailers. I, I wasn't paying attention to trailers mm-hmm. at that time when it came to Pixar movies. I just trusted the brand and I kind of, you know, went to a little, little theater. And, uh, at that time I was, God, I, when did it come out? 2001? So yeah. November. Like, yeah. And when I was 11, I was just getting into like cutting lawns, helping the neighbors to save up money. And so like, I would have my mom drop me off the theater and I'd go see movies. Aww. Um, and that's were where you I was in Florida then, or were you still up in, no, I was in Florida? Yeah, I was in Florida then. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I was in Florida then. And, um, I remember even when it came out on DVD, I told my mom, like, mom, it's really great. Trust me. You'll love it. You know, you should get the DVD. And, and it, that's when Pixar started releasing those two disc box sets. Yeah. Like special editions with all the extra commentary and how they designed and full screen. Yeah. And that's where you learned like <laughs> the amount of time and effort that went into each individual hair on Mike Sully and having to light that yeah. properly and make it look real to render it was insane. Pure insanity for them. Mm-hmm. It's so stressful. Um, but it shows up so well. And then you think like the sequence where Mike had, um, I'm sorry, not Mike, uh, Sully has boo with him in the, um, the locker room and like, she's on his tail and anytime like his tail even would get anything on it, the amount of stress that went into them having to properly show what hair actually does when something like that is on it is insane. It had never been done before. It had never been done before in a movie. And so like they had to figure out how to digitally animate what hair does when Mm -hmm. he's running at full speed. And I think Zach, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast or we just talked about before. A little Uh, bit. I mean, I definitely have stuff to say about it. Yeah. It's like the sequence at the end when they go into the Himalayas and you just imagine moving at high speeds with snow and then yeah. he rolls through the snow and things like that. And they have to animate that. I, I, I would not want to, I wish that torture upon none of my friends who actually work. Well, I'm, I'm wondering how much of that at the time was physics simulations because a lot of, a lot of stuff now can be done with physics simula- simulations. And I'm sure there was there, they were able to do that to an extent there, but with just rigging all of that and all of that hair has weight. And even if you look at it, how it reacts to light i love right. you have you have the thicker almost like porcupine like quills that Around come out of him that go out farther but it's not it's not all the same density of hair or fur on him 
I know, consistently. That and that's what really adds it. You get that really nice edge light, that really nice feathering of the the light wrap around his shoulders and stuff when he's in those dark corridors. And it just looks Can really I good. Say something embarrassing really quick. Yeah. You guys are going to laugh at me about. I've like known this movie existed for about like 19 years. And just being on the Wikipedia page, I just learned Steve Buscemi was in the movie and played Randall. I had really? no clue. I had no clue. I know who Steve Buscemi <laughs> is. I know who Randall is. Yeah. But then that, I'm like, okay, I guess that makes sense. Maybe because I'm not not used to Steve Buscemi being so menacing. He was yeah, usually like a happy, fair. joking guy. And like Randall's just like angry and like always yeah. up to something. And I always. Know. He was pretty menacing in Fargo, you know, but in a goofy no, I don't know. He was the other guy, like the, the guy that barely talked was the menacing one. He was just like the comic relief and was like, yeah. I mean, wow. I don't know. I don't um, think he was that menacing in Fargo. I felt like he was menacing in an unpredictable way. I'm just saying Steve Buscemi has his moments. He does. He has, and with his voice, you're right though. The way he could do that um, yeah. as Randall, it was it was so well done. I loved it. He just seemed like he was so annoyed with everyone around him, which was so great for Steve Buscemi because he also <laughs> nail it every time. So <laughs> random thought I just thought of, like Steve Buscemi yeah. and Billy Crystal, they're both like kind of like fast talkers. Could mm-hmm. you like, could you see them like switching roles and like Steve Buscemi like playing Mike Wazowski and Billy no. Crystal play? I could see Steve Buscemi as Mike Wazowski probably. No way. Nope. Really? Nope. No, no. I mean, I feel like it would be a very different Mike Wazowski. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about Billy playing like Randall. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like that would be a, a maybe if we just like have a Photoshop to like switch the characters' faces. <laughs> like that weird Sully Mike Wazowski image that's been going around. <laughs> which is also, I do want to mention this real quick. If you go on the Google page, <laughs> at least as of this recording, um, if you just Google Monsters Inc., the the uh, sidebar image for it. Oh, it's not coming up now. Did they patch that? No. Oh no, I I must no. have. Re- oh no. Okay, it's back. <laughs> if you go down to Monsters Inc. on the right, you'll see the pictures of the blue and the green bo- the green boy. Go down uh, to characters. You've got Boo, Mike Wazowski, Sully. The Mike Wazowski image is that weird like 4chan image of the uh, the Sully face photoshopped onto Mike Wazowski. This is on the Google thing for the official for the official movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Zach, before you like actually said that, I I knew something was up with the face. I didn't know yeah. it was like a Sully photoshop. I just thought it was like I just knew something was up, but my mind didn't put it together. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's like Mike's body, but it's like something's weird. I had no idea that was always face photoshopped on it until you said it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a very good, uh, it's a very good. <laughs> oh, I don't like looking at it. It's a... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's like the monster that would. That oh, Fungus was played by Frank Oz. Yeah. Huh. I didn't know that. Anyway, so back to, uh, back to uh, breaking this movie down. This is a great movie. Um, let's keep talking. Let's. Where do we want to? Where do we want to really well, like start with this? Well, what I really wanted to get into was this was to me the introduction of Pixar's elevation of like what mm-hmm. movies 
for kids could actually do as far as storytelling, the complexity, because you have the office humor that's in it, that's interlaced in this overall story. And then you have layers to that where obviously it's a buddy comedy again. Um, but you also have really cool themes of, you know, you can't always just go off of the negative. You can't then be scaring kids for energy. You know, there's something about choosing happiness and not having to go down this negative route. And then also there's the theme of fatherhood. This is Sully learning that, you know, he can really care for someone. He could, he could do it. And it's kind of all interlaced in this very emotionally complex storyline where, you know, friendships change when you have a kid and things like that. And you have to make decisions that aren't about you. You know, you have to do what's best for that child and things like that. And then you, you have obviously, you know, corporate um, decisions to cover up and all that stuff. And so there's like <laughs> corporate espionage angle of it, right? With the Mr. Waternoose, I think his name is. Yeah, crab, which like, I have a lot to say about him too. Yeah. A little bit. Also, uh, sorry, like just to go on with your point that you're making, Will, it's mm-hmm. also like like the first time Pixar made its own like big, huge world because like the three movies prior were two Toy Story movies and Bugs Life. And it's just more of like a little world of toys or a little world of bugs in our world. And then Mm -hmm. Monsters Incorporated is like their whole like huge monsters world. And then they like get into our world with the magical doors. So it's like, like a much grander like in that way. Right. Well, I was talking about also the um, the idea of like, oh, you know, you can't touch on that. Kids aren't going to pick up on that. That's, you know, why don't we just simplify this? Or why do we have to have this little quiet moment? You know, also the movie embraces silence. Like there are very quiet moments that, you know, nobody's saying anything. There's just boo kind of cooing in the background and things like that. And it, it really kind of shows that movies that are for kids, you, you think kids need all this noise. They need all this color and all this movement. Not necessarily. You don't need to handhold them. Kids are emotionally intelligent too. Kids will sit down and watch a movie. And you know what? The parents who are forced to take the kids to these movies, why don't we try to actually have a good story for them to watch too? You know what I mean? They made a movie literally for the family. It wasn't just yeah. funny fart jokes. Great and thing all about exactly. Way to call out DreamWorks like that. <laughs> I mean, DreamWorks has like plenty of adult humor in it. I feel like DreamWorks movies tend Not to be a little type. bit more risque in that sense than Pixar movies. Right. Like but, they have swear words in them. I don't think there's a single Pixar movie that has a swear word in it. No, not at all. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, great. And that maybe just, Ratatouille, but. Well, my really? point is like, you got to remember Pixar was really new at the time. And yes, they had a couple of successes, but still the mainstay of, you know, what we thought of as animation was, oh, there's going to be a musical number and there's going to be like a romance and things like that. And Pixar was going, no, none of that. No, we're not. We're well, not doing are you that. trying to say you don't remember? Put that thing back where it came from or so help me. Hey, Zach. So help me. Then, so help me. And cut. Zach, the, the end credits scene. The end credits. Um, I was just talking about that because yeah. when I watched this on Disney Plus, it didn't have that scene in it. So I uh, looked it up on YouTube to watch it. Oh. You've seen what that scene, it? right, Matt? Yes. I don't remember. There's a scene at the end of the credits that wasn't on the Disney Plus version. Yeah, I where... watched this movie like a million times. I don't think I've watched it on Disney Plus, but I don't remember the credits. Yeah, it's, where they actually yeah, it's an after play. the credits scene where they actually do the company play. Oh, yeah. how how did I? And I made the joke, and I don't even know. Yeah, that. 
Oh. Yeah, because I wa- definitely wanted to bring it up in this episode, how they had that. And it's really great. And there's like a bit where Mike is, it's like they're just using like the lines from the movie and then having like a brief 30 second song about it. And Mike's like single lit with a single light. And they have the like Rocket Man two faces going on at the same time. Right. It's like, she's out of our hair. <laughs> yes. wonderful and it's super cheesy it's like it's like one of our high school productions where they just had fake backdrops and stuff that just kept falling down throughout it yeah which once again just shows like the dedication that pixar had yeah the the fucking bit they they stuck to the bit they're like dude this could be really funny and it's like any other company like dude that's a lot of money and more animating things like that why are we gonna do all that and they're like man fuck it we're pixar and we're awesome and we want to do it and so like it was so great to see man i remember that um, in the theater, like, like I said, in the theater after the credits, and I'm like, everyone's leaving, and I'm just kind of sitting there waiting on my mom. She's running late, I guess. And I watch, I'm like, well, thank God, fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I didn't know that that scene was in there until years and years later when I, really? I think the movie was like on TV or something. And then I just <laughs> noticed it, and I'm like, oh, what? Oh, man. Pixar's how, how, how do you guys feel about the, the I wouldn't have nothing if I didn't have you song? Oh, I, I kind of like that. You didn't like it? No, I do like it. Oh, yeah. I thought it was cute. I love yeah. their relationship. They have this wonderful relationship in the movie. Oh God, There's yeah. not enough so- love songs about your your guy friends. And that's like yeah. one of the few. Romance is real, man, especially with Pixar. Pixar, I feel like definitely quarter the market. Yeah, and these guys are such a, I mean, even the art style, you've got the complimentary, the blue and the green, and they're just... They're just fun. They're fun characters to look at, really. Yes, they're they just, are. Yeah. And but, they're um, so different. I don't know. There's just there's just this joy to it. And the whole like when uh having Mike as sort of like the um the the trainer, like coach, basically yeah. technician. He has like all of these different hats okay. that he wears. Yeah. yeah. And then when they have the yeah the bunk beds, scary feet, scary feet, scary scary feet. feet. Oh yeah, scary feet. Yeah. Oh my god. Look at Mike's animation in that sequence too, like how he's stepping forward, stepping back, rolling wrists, things like that. Like like, once again, man, damn, it's just such good animation. Yeah. Such I think let's just kind of walk through the narrative of the movie and as like interesting bits come out that we want to divulge on because there's a lot to unpack in this movie. And I really want to, oh I really want us to just kind of go through it. All right. Yeah. Someone tell me the opening again. Cause sometimes my mind, the opening, you have that. It's like commercial. Yeah. Oh, that part. Yeah. I thought you meant the very beginning. Yeah. The fun, like soprano sax, little jazzy bit. So great. All the monsters coming out of the doors. It's this fun, like art deco pop art type stuff. So much fun. I love that music, dude. Like once again, Randy Newman is is well, I can't even say he's underrated because I mean everybody who knows anything about um score and anything like knows Randy I, Newman. Yeah. I will, I will say that like with Randy Newman, I feel like his songs where he actually like sings on are kind of annoying. <laughs> but I do like the songs that he writes because I when you find out like every song and like all the scores I'm pretty sure he does he writes too, at least for like the earlier movies. Right. But like when he's singing, it just reminds me of that like that uh Family Guy bit about Randy Newman. Yeah, uh, right. It's a Family Guy. Fridge, music like a mommy. 
So the film moves um, after that. It goes right to we're in the kid's bedroom, right? And it's Mike who scares him or I'm trying no, to No, it's, it's a different monster. Oh, no, no. Um, it's a and they're, they're in like the training facility. That's right. Yeah. And that's where you, it's wonderful. It's a beautiful way to give us the, um, the exposition that we need to understand this world. And it's yeah. so quick and it starts off of like all the information in that scene is information that all of these monsters should have had before they got a job at monsters inc absolutely <laughs> and like, they're like breaking oh, you can't leave like the, the door open a toxic child could come into our world and literally destroy us like right. that would be information you would need to know before you're at <laughs> basically in the nuclear reactor that is monsters incorporated so they're like going the into the reactor to scare a toxic child yeah. Pulling the trick by informing a character, but also informing the audience. Yeah, yeah. And it's great. I love it. But it, yeah, I was thinking that when I watched the movie today, just huh, like, yeah, that would be really bad if this is the first time these people are hearing it, like these yeah. monsters. Oh, my God, dude, it's true. And it's, yeah. it's such a great way, such a story, great storytelling to just give the audience all the information they need to move forward. Yeah. And then you just start to do nothing but more like world building and character bits because the essential information is gone and out of the way in the first like two, three minutes. You're done. Mm-hmm. We're good. We're good to go from yeah. there. Of course, we get that great cut on James P. Sullivan or something like that, right? It's James yeah. Sullivan. And, and then like, it shows him in the bed and you have Mike Wazowski as like the radio announcer, which we think it is on the clock. And then uh, you have that, that beautiful, just pullback to reveal Mike there. Which is and that's Yeah. Well, I was going to say Zach, see right there. That's what I mean. I don't think anyone else, but Billy Crystal could do that. I just yeah. don't think anyone's being able to do it as well as he does. That alone right there is mm. Billy Crystal snort, Right up your nose, just pure, just get you going, just ah, like ah, right there, just man. That that framing too, and that the way that they reveal, and they do that a lot in this movie. They have yeah. really just smart reveals of characters in a wonderfully comedic way that doesn't feel overdone, doesn't feel overstated. It's very nuanced and subtle, but but when you notice it, it's it just feels it feels wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing that. Pixar started with John Lasseter with mm-hmm. their camera style, with the way they would animate, the way they would basically choose their camera angles. They would go, we're not going to do anything that no one with a traditional camera operating unit, things like that, wouldn't be yeah. able to do. And once they give themselves that restriction, they're free to play with everything else within a written, right. um, a traditional frame. I mean, even going into, and I'm going to skip something, but like after the training montage, the walk to work, right? With the giant chicken foot monster thing. Yeah. You get in there, you get that classic shot, like they're fucking NASA astronauts. Oh, yeah. I wanted to bring that up. Yeah, like uh, Armageddon. Yeah. Yeah, like Armageddon or like the football movies. No, absolutely. Sorry, guys. I didn't want to talk over you. Um, But you know what I mean? Like they're going off of our own innate film knowledge of what we've seen before. Mm -hmm. And that's the intelligence of Pixar going, look, we know adults are watching these movies too. (laughs) Let's at least make it enjoyable. (laughs) Yeah, just that that bit just felt so good seeing that. And (laughs) even even today when I watched it, and then there was the big big scare board that had the, the Nixie tube counter on the top. (laughs) <laughs> just little stuff like that where it felt i mean that world feels very kind of this mishmash of technology where you've got this like old super heavy duty industrial tech like all of the the vacuum tubes and everything and 
yep. and all that and like those Nixie tubes up on the top and these big giant CRTs. It just feels super industrial and super weird. And then you have that whole sequence of them coming in. All the monsters are like pumping each other up. They're getting pumped up. And then these magical wormhole doors fly in and get slotted down. And it's just, you have that whole sequence of them all just kind of like, this is just another day at the office now. And they're all doing their thing. And you have Sully and Randall like kind of going at it a little. Which, you know, we have to get into Roz. I mean, Roz is amazing. It's, my Kowalski, oh, yeah. you didn't file your paperwork. And it's so great. Billy Crystal got that line. It's like, oh, this pesky little paperwork. It all yeah. blew away. <laughs> so great. Like, she's such a fantastic character, dude. Such yeah, great- she's very subtle, too. But that oh, character. And the animation was, again, like the character yeah. just- with the squinty eyes and that fucking pointy hair up top and she's she's like a slug of course she moves slow of course yeah. she does like oh great <laughs> right, dude oh, yeah then, the, uh, the bit when she comes up and she's like your stunned silence is very reassuring yes <laughs> <laughs> so great dude and then obviously you got the uh, the one slug the other slug green little character who's like leaving the slime everywhere and then you get like the great little bits of oh the yeah crew. Uh, who's the two um, young guys in the, in the, the two lobby? like janitor guys? Yeah. Yes. Oh, they're fun. I completely forgot about them until I rewatched this movie. I love them. Stop dude. it! You made you them lose focus. focus. <laughs> <laughs> There's like this squeaky voice teen from The Simpsons. Yes, that's what I was thinking too. Right, and that's the thing is like if you can say anything about a Pixar movie, you're yeah. you know you're going to get a million little bits of like great characters that aren't even relevant to the overall story, but they're just so you could tell that they well, gave I mean, it. It's out. world building. And it's, right. I mean, I think that that is a very important part. It's not like overstated, but it is just, you feel like this is a world where people are inhabiting and there are other like little stories happening in the background while the boo is running around monsters incorporated right. and they're trying to get her back. You get that great bit where you're getting the montage of them um, using the scare. You're seeing how the energy works, like how they do it. And then that great thing where, um, what is it? Um, Steve Buscemi's character, Randall, gets mm-hmm. up on the, the lead scoreboard. And then you just start hearing, yeah, ding, yeah, ding, yeah, ding. Yeah. And then Mike walks out. He's like, cracks his own, goes, oh, slumber party. <laughs> oh, yeah. When he's like slapping all the canisters. Yeah. Yes, dude. Well, <laughs> it, you know what's funny is like, a lot of these jokes that like we're talking about right now, they're all jokes that I remember my like when I first watched this movie, I was probably like nine or ten, and these mm-hmm. are like a lot of jokes that I remember my like mom laughing to, but me not really finding it funny and just looking over to my mom, like yep. it like went over my head like the slumber party joke, and like yeah. the one where like Billy uh, where Mike Wazowski is on the phone talking to Sully's mom, like all excited. Yeah. Oh yeah, about the commercial. <laughs> like he was like, "Oh, it's your mother," and then my mom like cracked up, like because she felt that funny. And I'm like, "What was so funny about that line?" It's it's oh. like, it's like, I really noticed that with that with like uh, mm-hmm. monsters too, or monsters incorporated. Yeah. Just just because I watched it so young, and it has like so many jokes like geared towards older people and younger people. Oh, yeah, because I, I remember that too when um. When uh, they had the commercial, which the commercial bit is great, and that also sort of helps to set up the world, too. Yes! But when you have Mike right behind the logo, and 
I don't oh. think I even like really noticed that the first time that I watched it, but he was like, <laughs> but when Mike was like, I was in a commercial and I, as a oh, kid, I just remember being like, wait, what? Gotta, I don't get it. You gotta do and everyone in the movie theater was laughing. <laughs> you got to do it the way Billy Crystal did it, man. Cause it's, it's so great where he's like, I was on TV. <laughs> <laughs> Great, man. And then we go full circle with the magazine cover. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, and once again, like Which you also, said, who put the barcode on the front of the magazine? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, isn't that normal? Or yeah, that's pretty- no, is it? No, I always it, thought it was. I don't know. Back. I haven't rung up a magazine in a while or bought yeah, a magazine in a dead. while. Hot take. No. Podcasts are the only media that people oh, even okay. care about. No, I used to work the magazine section in the Barnes and Noble when I, when I was, uh, that was my first job. So I, I had to organize all the magazines and yes, you would get them and they would be, um, the, the barcode would be on the front for some of the major magazines and things like that. So yeah, but, um, my bad, everybody. Ah, you're fine. Anyway. So, uh, where, where, where are we in the movie? Where are we in the timeline? Yeah. Um, can we skip ahead to like, they have the bit where they're in the locker room and they're stinking it up, right? With the, mm-hmm. the, the deodorant, which is great. And then he has to reserve the dinner, which once again goes in line with the jokes that went Well, on. I think we've got to talk about the CDA before we get yeah. to there. CDA. <laughs> yeah. Where they come in at the, at the, uh, on the scare floor. And then we get introduced to our, uh, I guess we can say he's a villain, the villain character of the movie. Yeah. Randall or. Well, Randall and um, Mr. Waternoose. Waternoose. But um, yeah, the the child detection agency. We've got to we've got to talk about them oh, a little 2319. bit. Yeah, twenty three nineteen. Yeah, and how it's like immediately they're just there. Which again, if this was a real world. I feel like the child detection agency should always be stationed at Monsters Incorporated. Because oh yeah yeah that would make sense. Like it wouldn't make sense for them to be off site. Like oh how did a child get in here? Obviously it would have come in through the factory that has millions of wormholes to the human world. You have not a great like, point, Zach. Yeah, not I like, oh, really it, thought it about hitched that. a ride on the bus from across town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the movie is literally unwatchable now. Uh, <laughs> I, think our, I think our winner is clear. But I, I, do, I do think that like the 2319 thing obviously is, mm-hmm. is iconic now. It is such a great fucking bit that continues throughout the movie. Yeah. And it, it, and it gets, it only gets funnier as an adult now. It's like now that we're in, you know, pandemic times. Oh but, my gosh, we are. We're in a pandemic right now. Yeah, like it's 2319 all day, every day. But, yeah, but it, I mean, it's so great to see that and just the level of seriousness taken with every step of that procedure when they had the, uh, they uh-huh. like used the the forceps to pull the sock off the guy, yes. threw it on the ground, and then drilled a. Uh, drilled a micro detonation device yes! on top of it. <laughs> and then literally blew that bitch up. And then what they did, yeah. they gave him and it's that great um, comedic bit. Like it's literally beat for beat. It's so great. If you did it your way, it wouldn't be as funny as to watch. Like they do the, and it's like a shower curtain that suddenly yeah. erects, and you just see all the hairs and they drop it. And he's like, ah, screaming. And it's oh, great. Right. And they remove the, uh, the bandaid. Because they clipped them too hard on one side, and they removed the bandaid. <laughs> so great, man! Oh my gosh, yeah, oh. but just that, and then the movie. Oh, but yeah, let's let's. You're right, Zach. Then we we see uh, Mr. Waternoose come in, who I love his character model. It is so interesting. 
he's such a such a, well i guess he was in a scene earlier he was in like our first intro scene yeah but, um really better a good full look at him in the, yeah in, he's in this that. cool like spider crab man with the the chitin plating and everything all over him and he's got yep. this like fat cat like oil tycoon ceo mm-hmm. thing about him with the with the little vest and the bow tie and the 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 uh <laughs> tux jacket or sport coat or whatever right and it's it, it just feels like your stereotypical mid 1900s ceo of any corporate corporation yeah but the movie does a good job of actually getting you to trust him because you can trust yeah. he actually does care for sully and it plays out in the third act when you actually do see that he actually it kind of messed him up to do that to sully to send him over yeah. to, to the himalayas and stuff um I, I have to say that his his character for me was was so alarmingly trustworthy to where like I remember thinking even as a kid watching the movie waiting like yeah once we tell Mr. Waternoose like oh my god you know right yeah, down exactly and I, I felt the same way how did you feel <laughs> Matt did you trust Mr. Waternoose <laughs> oh man we lost Matt we're Matt? experiencing technical difficulties guys. Oh, no. But um, yeah, yeah. I think we actually lost him for a second. He'll come back. He'll wander back like a stray cat. Um, <laughs> but I will say, also moving into, I think what, like I said, is the dinner, you know, with Schmootsy Poo. Yeah. <laughs> Voiced by the wonderful Jennifer Tilly. And if you guys don't know who that is, please watch Liar Liar. Um, she's great as the terrible woman trying to divorce. The, um, she's the client of Jim Carrey in that movie, and her voice. Oh is- yeah. Yeah, her voice is so wonderful. <laughs> and like the, this is the the comedic character trait of like the stakes for hair works out so well. <laughs> mm. They do. They get so many great bits out of that. Oh man. yeah. Oh my god, every time she's mad, they hiss at you, you know? It's it yeah. works so well. I love it so All much. All of the uh and the whole Harry Housen's thing with with Boo coming out yes, and Harry being in the bag. Like, the the like octopus sushi chef. Right. But you know the name, Zach? Like Harry Hausen? You I was know, wondering the, about it. The stop motion animator who fucking pioneered. Oh. Yeah, dude. Ray Harry Hausen. Okay. I figured because the whole time I was like, this has to be a reference to something, but what is it? Yep. Okay. That makes a lot of stop sense. Stop motion animator, dude, who did um, yeah. the Argonauts, obviously um, um, Clash of the Titans. So, I mean, yeah, big. Big once again, just swinging their huge movie knowledge dick all across all, everyone's forehead with that one um, <laughs> in a kids movie. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really dug that. And once again, showing Zach like how serious they take this. They fucking bomb the restaurant. You see the big ass like shock. Yeah, when the the bomb goes off. I'm yeah, and I'm skipping ahead because that once again that great sequence where Boo um, is revealed. Um, he's at dinner. Sully stays behind, and of course, you know you. You get the reveal of Boo, and um, what a cute fucking kid, man! Even even today, that animation holds up. We know it's yeah. like it's not as detailed as Pixar has come to be known for, but I mean, fuck, man, that's a cute kid. Yeah, and it's it. interesting too. Like with where Pixar came from, they started with Toy Story, and Toy Story kind of Toy Story really holds up because it's not. Um, they weren't like trying to do photorealistic human type stuff. If you look at stuff like reboot or other 3d shows that had kind of come before that 3d animations that had come before that, where they just, 
they don't really hold up. And Toy yeah. Story, because they were going, I know we've talked about this before, but going with that plasticity and doing things that weren't truly human. So you could get away with you or you didn't have that same, uh, that uncanny valley that you would if you had a human face that wasn't perfect. I right. mean, there were like a few shots with like Andy and Sid and stuff, but not as many. And then A Bug's Life was all bugs. And then this movie, you have all um, monsters. So you don't have to really worry about the photorealism of them right. and no, the whole okay. things having that like creepy, creepy vibe to them. And, yeah. Um, and it's just really smart on Pixar's part too. Like all the movies before, you had really, really intense human characters were done in this very smart way to where, I mean, kids kids react to things in a whole different way. So like all of Boo's reactions, they don't feel disingenuous or un- inhuman. Right. It all feels organic and all of the monsters feel organic in this world like they're all a part of it and they're all so different and just wonderful um but yeah let's let's keep let's keep rolling what do what else do we have to talk about before we make our decisions i feel like we do need to mention the uh the the fun door scene oh (laughs) yeah that's like that's like really that was really good yeah well, I was going to say, like, we can jump right to the end because there is definitely so much we could talk about in Monsters, Inc., but I do want to get to that ending with what a great imaginative sequence to end your film with that great door sequence. The chase through all the right. doors, they go through Paris, things like that, and you're flying through this giant mechanism. You see how big it yeah. is. And it, I mean, goddamn, man. Like, it's just, it is thrilling, and it's great, and it's funny as hell. I, I love when, uh, Mike Wazowski does like the back flip or front flip to make Boo laugh. And then <laughs> she yeah. doesn't see it. Cause like the hood's over her eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, when, uh, James Sullivan is just like, Oh, can you redo it? Like, it was like yeah. completely understanding the boo. Like, Oh, boo didn't see uh, it. <laughs> honestly, though, that ending has my favorite, comedy bit like every time it makes me laugh it's stupid comedy but like i gotta admit it makes me laugh because of the voice acting in it which is when randall gets shoved off and you know into um like a trailer park home. oh yeah uh, which I was, is the same trailer I, park i was just about to say that another gator yeah shovel yeah. and you just fucking laugh i laugh every and time gator. i love uh it's so great and you just see the silhouettes Yes, yeah. dude, it makes me fucking crack <laughs> up every time, man. I think what's awesome about that is because like there's a monster in there and they're like totally not afraid of it. Even yeah, though dude. it's like if like any of us saw that saw Randall, we would probably I don't know yeah, what I Randall's would do. Randall's kind of terrifying. He's this crazy com- giant giant four-handed chameleon. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> Who clearly got shoveled to death, by the way. Like, we don't ever yeah. see him again, so that means he got fucked up. <laughs> well, we do see him again in the past in a movie that will be on the list later. All right, but no sequel. Ooh, man. yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. Pre-shadowing? But, uh, yeah, right, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, that whole sequence. I remember the first, like, when they first go back on the door and they're riding it up, and my first thought was, wow, that's got to be really annoying to perform maintenance on 
Like we have one of those, we have one of those dryer racks, like the laundromat racks at the Aqua yeah. Company, and it's always freaking broken. And imagining something of that scale, where you have millions of doors being sorted and organized on this vast network of uh, of of rail, the whatever it is, this weird rail system, just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then going through all the doors and everything. And one of my favorite bits is when um when there's the French door laying sideways and Mike jumps yeah. into it and falls down. Yeah. That was weird. Just playing with the whole perspective thing. And even when they're in the in the closets or the bedrooms and the doors are just swinging around on the rack and you have this weird perspective shift of like a whole room swinging around on is basically like the house from up just swinging around over yeah, this dude. this just dead drop of doors oh i know that's it really was it was so inventive and they milked yeah. it for every like physical beat you could like even they when they're falling, they jump inside one through the midair and things like yeah. that all the creativity they literally just unloaded as much as they could they had so much fun with it and you could tell yeah uh, it's a, such a think, fun fun world and we barely see any of it in this movie really there's like i don't know we don't really only actually, a few scenes outside of the actual factory right and yet for some reason like it just seems perfectly fitting like oh damn that, that's really good yeah <laughs> but I did want to say that Monsters Inc. to me has the perfect final shot, like across uh, action, animation, whatever you call it. Just yeah. as a film, the final shot is Sully, you know, looks in that door. We hear Boo. He smiles that wonderful smile, which mm. prompts all the animators once again. These fucking oh my God. yeah, and then it just credits. It's fucking yeah. brilliant, man. He does well, say, technically, the final shot is the bows for put that thing back where it came from. Uh, <laughs> so True. she does. She does say like "kitty" at the end, right? Yeah, We gotta like make a movie or make like a list of like Pixar movies and like separate them into ones that make you cry and ones that don't make you cry. Like, I'm curious. Yeah, because I I was crying watching this earlier today, and I'm like, why am I crying? I've seen this movie like a dozen times. I maybe because we're older and we like like maybe. little kids more. Maybe uh, I, I mean, let me rephrase that. Uh, Please do. <laughs> we I I don't know. Will save me. Yeah, true, true. Because we're, we're not in that way, and like a no, like we're parents. Oh, too. Like, well, there goes any monetization. <laughs> yeah there you go now we're talking about that hey no, all right it was thrown out the window i don't know probably the other hour before that usually for me re-watching it recently in monsters inc i have to admit like that ending really got me because he he really does love boo like like a parent would and so it's it's heartbreaking and then of course having that great relationship that they've set up throughout the film you, you tell that mike can see that mike's no longer jealous and mike fucking builds that door from God only knows what shreds and pieces, which shows like how great of a friend he really is. And it's awesome. Like it's, it really is such a great ending overall. And uh, I think I'm definitely making my choice up because there's only one movie we talked for a while now, longer than the other. Oh, don't one. spoil it, Will. Hold on. You want to make decisions now? Yeah, we have to, dude. Because honestly, like, we've been talking so much and I already know. Like if the audience hasn't figured okay. it out by now, I don't know what the hell's wrong with it. I think okay. I know what I'm going to pick, but I don't want to spoil it. I'll go All right, first. So, okay, go ahead. 
So, like, this is probably, like, one of the toughest decisions, is, like, looking at the bracket, mm -hmm. and I've been, like, thinking about this matchup the whole entire time, and... I mean, it's one of those things where I want to pick a movie, and then I want you guys to, to like, use your two picks to override my pick, because that's, like, how unsure I am of it. But I'm yeah. going to have to go with Aladdin, just because I... I just like the overall feel of that movie a lot better. And maybe and it, maybe it has to do with, like, I saw Aladdin as a kid, then I went, like, 20 years without seeing it, and then I saw it again twice. Mm -hmm. So I'm, like, more willing to watch Aladdin more so than, like, Monsters Incorporated, which I've been seeing, like, consistently through my childhood as we have it on DVD. But, uh, yeah, I'd have to go pick Aladdin, even though I'm not, like, 100% sure. Okay. Will, you could go second because I think I know what you're going to pick, and then that way we can leave it up to Zach. Mike Wazowski. That's who I'm picking. I have to. I have to uh, Will, unfortunately, there's not a movie called Mike Wazowski. So yeah, not, at least not yet. Yeah. Yes, there is. You've got to say the actual movie title, Will. Yeah. This is like a legal binding contract where you yeah. can't just like fuck around and put no a joke answer here. Yeah. Oh, like, okay. You, you might get arrested. Okay, yeah. so you guys are trying to Got it. You're really messed up for that, but okay, all right, cool, no problem. Thank you so Monster, much. Anyway. Monsters Incorporated. It's like the Miranda oh. rights. Like you have to say them, even though like, everybody <laughs> knows them. Okay, right. so well, this this is definite. Oh, sorry, were you going to say it, Zach? Yeah, yeah okay. you said it. Okay, okay Zach, so we're ready. Oh, this is rough. This is really rough. I don't like having to make this decision. I mean, I want to. Uh, I'm gonna say monsters. Uh, monsters Inc. I knew is, it. I secretly hoped for this to happen. Imagine if I picked yeah. monsters, and Aladdin got swept in the first round. Well, because that was kind of how it was for me too. It's like I wanted to pick one of these movies, and then you guys to pick the other one because I feel I don't know. I mean, both it's of these movies. It's only gonna get harder. Yeah, the both of these movies were are movies that I really, really liked from the Disney Pixar lineup. I mean, these are two of my absolute favorites. Yeah. And I just like watching the Aladdin cartoon series even so much as a kid and all that. So it was really hard, but I I feel like what, what Monsters Incorporated did for Pixar and for, for 3D animation as a whole is just so groundbreaking that we have to we have to give it that love and send it on to the next round so we're two episodes in and pixar is two and oh and in the next round toy story 3 and monsters incorporated will go and we'll we'll get to that episode i don't know i haven't done the math probably this fall do we want to close off by seeing what the audience picked <gasps> Ooh, hit me on google trends Oh, does that count? Well, I think I think it'd be interesting Aladdin's if we do an audience count. bracket. Aladdin would win. Like Google Google Trends is just like well, let's find out more. Oh, Aladdin just a reboot came out last year, so of course Aladdin would win. But we don't know that for sure. Okay. Oh. So, on June 2nd, Aladdin was monstrously high and Monsters was monstrously low. 
now Aladdin is is uh, six points over. That makes sense. Yeah, Aladdin's at ten. Monsters Inc is at four. The word was making terrible. Like honestly, I feel like we're making terrible uh, decisions on behalf of the people. People are like, dude, we don't agree with any of this. Aladdin all day. But I also think like nostalgia has a lot to do with it. You know, mm-hmm. the people will like what we tell them to like. Will so. What's interesting is. <laughs> oh wow, this even breaks it down by subregion of like states. So in North Carolina, 79% people are we gonna are have to do are Aladdin we gonna have to do electoral college now? To 21% Monsters Inc. And then we got a census coming up, so then we'll have oh, to Oh wow, Florida's a swing state for the uh <laughs> <laughs> No, it's not. It's 81 to 19. Any hanging Chad? Oh, no. Man. Um Zach, you're sucking the life out of this podcast. No, sorry. It's just really Google Trends is a weird, fascinating thing to me. To Once have, we get like, enough fans, we can actually have the audience vote. But we yeah. haven't even posted an episode yet, so I don't think we have yeah. any fans. Well, the first episode's up on YouTube. Oh, um, it is? Yeah. Cool. Oh, uh, so... We should probably promote our next episode. I'm really excited. Yeah, let's do that real quick. We got and then Coco. let's wrap this puppy. Yeah, we got Coco versus the Little Mermaid. And I think this is going to be an awesome one. Like, Little Mermaid is the movie that basically started the Disney Renaissance and maybe even like saved like Disney animation. We'll get more wow. into that next week. I'll go do some research on that because I just made all these bold claims. And then Coco <laughs> is probably like one of the newer movies on the list. It's only about two and a mm-hmm. half years old. So it's like a nice little bookend we got going on. They're both great movies. They got music. Yeah, that'll be and, interesting. Yeah. We got a Jamaican crab. We got Mexicans, skeletons. I mean, it's <laughs> it's what America's all about, even though America's not involved in any of these stories. Well, uh, Disney's an American company. so It is. Yeah. And so is Pixar. You could say all of these stories are American stories. You're right. Except for The Little Mermaid. That was like a Danish story. Well, all of them Norwegian. are. So was Aladdin. Aladdin was like a Chinese folktale. And so was Hercules. We're noticing a trend with Disney right here. Yeah. Well, yeah. Disney yeah, just was, takes uh, existing IPs like Marvel yeah, and Star Wars. In the next round, it's uh, the two Disney movies represented because they're doing a play-in round. It's Zootopia oh, right. and Big Hero 6. And I don't think uh, any of those... I don't think like Zootopia was created in South America in the 1400s. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to think that's American made. Oh, all right. Okay. So uh, let's, let's wrap it up here. Yeah. yeah. Wrap it up. All right. So uh, you heard it here first. Monsters Inc has uh, kept Prince Ali fabulous. He Ali Ababwa from moving on to the next round. I'm going to cry. I know that's rough. But uh, don't count Aladdin out because we may or may not do a live action Aladdin comparison to the original Aladdin at some point, maybe after the brackets. After we run out of ideas. Yeah. I mean, that's an idea for at some point. Maybe that'll be a bonus episode. Um, Yeah. It's a pay-per-view. Paperless. It's a (laughs) pay-per-view. Anyway, uh, I've been your host, Zachary Twitty. And I'm Matt Smith. And I'm Will. Good now. Thank you Are for you joining good now, us. Will? 
<laughs> Thank you for joining us on the Great Movie Showdown. Yeah. <laughs> you sound exactly like the instrument. I'm not even going to try anymore. Sounds... Now you sound like the bear from uh, what is it, Jungle Book, or is it the orangutan, or both of them? <laughs> yeah, right. You so you. <laughs> this has been a nice throw production. Nice throw, Matt. <laughs>